Welcome to another community conversation. Uh, today is all about the power of mentoring. So excited to have some incredible, incredible guests today, an alumni little brother, and also a brother that's doing some powerful things at the University of Miami, the U. So let's get started with our conversation today. I wanna to bring in alumni little brother, uh, Julio Burgos, that'll be joining us in just a second here. Let's get him admitted and we can dance. Julio, how are you? Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Hold on, let me get something right here. Let me adjust everything I got going on. Looking good, brother. Now, are you in Florida or are you in New York? I'm actually in New York right now. So actually, I'm actually in quarantine. Uh, if you see the background, this actually um, one of the school hotels. I've been here for the past week and a half. Um, but I am in New York. I'm in Syracuse from my last year. Very good. Well, welcome to the Game of Life Mentoring Podcast, Julio. Uh, we are, uh, my slogan for this particular show and for all shows is that in the Game of Life, everybody makes the team, but how you play is up to you. And you are a very, very impressive young man. We're so thankful to have you as an alumni little brother. And I want to just be real and raw today as we talk about uh, challenges, as we talk about race relationships and resources. That's what this is all about. And I just want to say how proud we are of you and your accomplishments. We're going to talk about that as we go through our conversation as well. Uh, but let's talk about just who you are, Julio, and just where you grew up and some of the challenges you might have faced here in Miami. Um, so actually, fun fact. So originally I was born in the Dominican Republic and I was raised in New York City. But I say I was made in Dade because, you know, I was... You know, I moved to Miami when I was, what, right out, of, right out of middle school, started there my freshman year of high school and been living there ever since. Um, you know, it was definitely my, it was my first time coming to Miami, um, coming to Florida overall, even before I moved here. Um, when I moved there, I didn't actually move with my parents, but I ended up moving in with my aunt, who at the time was living by herself because her two daughters just had graduated and moved on in, in their careers, so... Um, it was a new beginning for me. Um, and one of the many challenges that I faced, you know, when I moved there was just, you know, the culture shock um, coming from New York City, um, going to, you know, previously I attended what a school that was predominantly Dominican, basically 90% of school was Dominican back in Washington Heights. And then when you go down to Miami, um, you do have predominantly black, um, black school. And it was just, it was a culture shock for me in general, but Outside of that, um, one of the big challenges that I faced is, you know, it was like the resources um, in terms of the things that I wanted to accomplish uh, during high school, the things that I wanted to accomplish after high school. But even though the school lacked the resources, you know, I was still able to find um, those, you know, that assistance through Big Brother, Big Sister, through the NIA Project, through Breakthrough Miami, through different community-based um, organizations that seriously, you know, got me to where I am today, and I am extremely thankful for that. And with that, and, I, and I, I'm glad you mentioned just community, uh, because you mentioned the fact that, you know, there were some socioeconomic challenges. You attended a school in the urban core. Uh, now, to Miami Central Rockets, is that right? Is the Rockets? Yes. Uh, and so you're cl class of what? What class are you Where Were you in? Class of 2017. Class of 2017, Miami Central Rockets. Shout out to all the Rockets out there. Uh, but one of the things you did is you reached out 
and you made sure you took advantage of the community resources that were available. You became a little brother. You got assistance from our partners, Breakthrough Miami uh, as well. Uh, and so, uh, so shout out to all the community-based organizations doing incredible things. I gotta say this, and I'll say it out loud. It's not about competition, it's about collaboration. Uh, and Julio, you are uh, proof positive uh, that when a young man or a young lady, a youth gets involved, uh, and takes full advantage of what donors and others are investing in, uh, it's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. Speaking of investment, mentoring. You were involved in our School to Work Workplace Mentoring Program. And tell us where you were matched. Tell us a little bit about your big brother and how that experience went for you. Um, well, so it's not honestly like you know, I started high school. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to talk back about like, how I even got involved with Big Brother and Big Sister because, you know, it was it was something new to me. I had no idea what it was when I was, you know, when I was in, when I was in high school. But it wasn't until, I believe, the end of my freshman year, um, I had a friend named Anna. And the first thing she said, hey, like, if you want to go to college and you want to get scholarships, um, I think you should apply to Big Brother Big Sister your, your junior year. The reason being is because, I was in the school to work program. So it was basically the final two years. Um, so honestly, I wasn't eligible my freshman or sophomore year. So I was already planning ahead um, for me to get involved. So um, she mentioned that and I automatically thought like, hey, like I wanna go to college. Um, I don't have the money for it, but um, I think this is a great way for me to, to know, tap that, um, tap those resources. Um, and ever since that, honestly, like I remember going my freshman year, the end towards my uh, towards the end of my freshman year, I went to the director, who was the person in charge of Big Brother Big Sister in Miami Central, and I literally went and introduced myself and I told her, "Hey, like, I want to apply to your program when I when, when I'm a, when I'm a junior." Uh, and she said, "Okay, come by um, when you're a junior," and I did. Um, I you know I applied, I I got in, and um, honestly, it was just it was for me. It was like okay, like I'm just gonna roll with it. And at the time I was, well, I was matched with Winhaven Insurance, uh, my big um, Richard. Um, and it was, it, was, it was definitely a great program. And the reason why I say this is because, you know, you're in school, what, nine months out of the year. Um, you, you're basically there from Monday to Fridays. You don't really see things outside of the four, the four walls of your classrooms in, in, in high school. Um, but this program, especially for me, was, know helped me it helped me in a way that I was able to see basically the real world outside of outside of high school so when I used to go in there I see these people dressed up you know working um uh, being professional just 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 for, for me just to see that just kind of gave me a taste of of something that I I, I wanted to, in a role that I wanted to be in after I finished high school you know it gave, it gave me that perspective um and I think that was the most to me. That was that's what I took away the most out of, out of that program. And it was it was it was just phenomenal. Like I'm I'm still in contact with some of the people that work there. Um, my big uh, Richard. Um, and honestly, to this day, like I'm extremely thankful for that because it just gave me um, a different perspective just on life and just the world outside of what I was accustomed to um, at Central or just at, at my home. You know. And there's a couple of things that you mentioned that I just, again, that continue to impress me. You were a freshman in high school, what, 14 years old, and you heard about 
the school to work program and you locked in and you so you planned ahead uh, and in essence you're like hey uh when i become a junior i want to be in this program uh and so that kind of stick to itiveness uh that you had your persistence uh is commendable uh and so once a month for the benefit of our audience school to work program for all corporate entities uh, it's once a month corporate corporations engage their mentors their employees engage in the mentoring space while at work you never leave the job and so julio you mentioned something you saw what it was like to you saw these people all dressed up and taking care of business and shout out to jimmy whited uh, and rebecca whited over at windhaven insurance for your commitment uh, to school to work uh, because julio is a product of that program but you saw people you saw the work environment what impressed you the most about that work environment julio Honestly, for me, it was just the, the the dressing up at the time, you know. Um, to be honest, I never like I never owned a suit. Um, honestly, never like complete suit. Never owned one until college. But I did have like my blazers um, when I was in high school, and never tied a tie basically until my sophomore year. Um, and for me, it was just it was just that feeling. Like honestly, sometimes I would, I think my senior year, I would dress up every Friday just because I just, I, I like, I just like the feeling of it. Um, I never saw someone in a suit, you know, in my household or just a family member. Um, and be, being able to see that, um, that just intrigued me. Like, you know, it's just, it was just like a shock to me, uh, but something that I, I took away uh, and to this day um, appreciate. Um, and it's just, honestly, just learning um, how, how people work. Um, I think it just gave me a sense of what, what my life could possibly be um, after high school is just, you know, go to college. That's one thing they kind of like spoke a lot about because, you know, we'll go there once a month and we'll have different conversations. Um, but the main conversation will be around college. Um, they'll be like, hey, like you need help writing your college essay. You need help. Like, how, how can we help you? Um, and for me to have those conversations, I just with myself, but other uh, other littles because I wasn't the only one that was going there it was it was a group of us it was basically an entire bus of us um that was no that was just phenomenal for me I had a great time there great time I love it I love it and as we think about the little things that uh that not only young people uh see but what uh it, it makes a big impression on you I mean people dressing up and you know and again I've seen you now I mean you you you, you dress up well brother <laughs> A uh, little bro. I learned. I learned. <laughs> <laughs> and so now, if I were to let me just say a couple words to you, and I want to get your immediate response. Uh, take charge, Battier. What does that mean to you? Honestly, just taking charge of your your life, yo. You know your destiny, your path. Um, something that I've been doing, um, you know, from day one. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you um, that I planned out um, for for Big Brother, Big Sister, but. I also planned that for for Posse, uh, my full tuition scholarship that I got here at Syracuse. Um, you know, I was so during high school, I played played baseball my freshman year, and I got involved with the wrestling team um, as well. So I wrestled for three years uh, there. And the first Posse scholar out of Miami Central, um, David O. Jackson, mm-hmm. he he wrestled as well, and he 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 is he was also a Posse scholar. He was the first Posse scholar from Miami Central. Went to Syracuse, graduated, you know, did great things there. And when he came in one day, um, I believe it was what, uh, fall of my sophomore year, he came in and spoke to us. And he said, yeah, I go to Syracuse. I'm like, I, I, I'm from New York. I didn't know what was Syracuse. I've never been upstate, you know. Um, 
And I said, oh yeah, I got the, no, I got a posse scholarship. I'm like, I'm like what is that? Um, and I was like, I was the only one that kind of like reached out to him at, after the meeting. Like I, I think he was walking to his car and I like, I want to spoke to him. Like, yeah, I want to get your number. Like, I want to know like some advice on how you did it because, you know, I want to go to college, but I don't have the means for it. And I think this would be a great opportunity for me. Um, and I, I planned ahead. Like he, he gave me all the information. I, I remember going online and researching, you know, everything that I needed to do, um, either the, what tests that I needed to take, um, what involvement that I needed to do for, for my, my junior year. Cause you'd get nominated, um, your junior year. And then right. you go into the process of your senior year. And I was nominated by um, one of my you know, great mentors as well, my, my wrestling coach, um, Coach Bryant. Um, he definitely um, helped me with that as well. So that was phenomenal for me. And so that's a credit. And a shout out to Posse and all that they do uh, to invest in, in our young people as well. Uh, and so as you look at your scholarship portfolio, you got a little bit of assistance from a few places, right? Talk to us about oh, yeah. Uh, your community involvement speaks for itself. Clearly, you planned ahead, uh, Julio, as well. Uh, but you got a posse scholarship. What else? What other kind of assistance? You need to go into the amounts, obviously. But what other <laughs> assistance did you? We don't, we, we don't talk money. Uh, but I think it speaks to uh, just the continuing education investment that people made in you. Talk to us. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. So I set up the posse scholarship, um, I re- which was full tuition, meaning like they do pay tuition, but they don't cover room and board. Um, I was able to get the take charge um, scholarship through the Shane uh, Battier Foundation. Um, phenomenal org um, helped me tremendously, um, not just inside the classroom, but outside the classroom. And I'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, I also received the um, uh, the Miami Foundation scholarship um, that is renewal um, every year. And Dolores, um, I don't remember the last name, but it's also a big brother, big sister scholarship. Oh, the lawyer, you got the lawyer Brennan. Yes, yes, yes. I got that as well. And no, that was a tremendous help for me my, my first two years um, here at Syracuse. So even though like I still got my full tuition policy scholarship, you know, those outside scholarships definitely helped cover those, um, you know, those outside costs, either room and board or some of the things that I was involved in, um, especially the Take Charge Foundation. Um, I remember that I was going to be, I was not already my sophomore year of college, meaning I didn't have to pay for room and board. So what ended up happening for the money that I was supposed to receive for my sophomore year, they actually covered for me to go abroad to Madrid um, for, for a summer. Wow. So, you know, think about that as well. Well, what, speaking of, shout out to Shane Battier uh, as well. Good brother. Shane Battier is a big brother uh, and certainly his, uh, accomplishments on the basketball court speak for themselves at Duke and with the Miami Heat. But one of the things that the Take Charge, uh, the Battier Take Charge Foundation uh, does is they provide that scholarship. But when you apply for that scholarship, uh, the whole but the whole concept of taking charge, you had to document and talk to them about uh, in an interview uh, something that you took charge of. Uh, and so let's go back to that time as you prepare to graduate. How did you respond to that take charge question that I know Shane and Nicole asked? Um, honestly, <laughs> I don't know if you remember. You was, you was there in my interview as well. Like I remember sitting right across from Shane. And, you know, I remember my, my, my freshman year when I moved in, I used to watch all the Heat games um, when LeBron was there when they won two championships. That was, that was just awesome for me. And to sit right in front of them uh, and being asked that question, you know, um, that was definitely an experience for me. Um, but my, my response again was 
taking charge of, of myself, taking charge of my life, taking charge of my destiny, taking charge of the things that I could control. Um, and and that's, that's important because when you are aware of the things that you have the power to control, um, I think there's just nothing can get in your way. Um, you, you need to be able to identify things that, you know, out, are outside of your control and manage the things that you can't control. Um, and that was just my life. Um, no, like I mentioned again, I plan ahead. Um, now I'm a first generation college student. Um, my parents didn't go to school. They didn't have no idea of, of you no, know, just the process of even getting to school, applying to school. Um, and for me, that was just, you no, know, I had to be resourceful. And you mentioned it. Um, if, if it wasn't for all the community-based organizations in Miami, uh, no, I, I don't know where I would be now, um, but definitely, definitely a big, uh, a big difference in, in my life and definitely helped me get to where I am now. We're here in the game of life where everybody makes a team, but how you play is up to you. We're here with alumni little brother, uh, Julio Burgos, who's in the Big Apple right now, the NYC, uh, and he, the investment paid off, Julio, uh, from sitting in that room with you, with Shane, uh, interviewing you for the scholarship. Uh, the investment has paid off. Now you're at Syracuse University. Tell us what you're majoring in and what that next move is, because you just secured employment in New York as well. Talk to us about it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Um, so, you know, came into Syracuse, uh, major in economics and a minor in strategic management at the business school. Um, honestly, has been a tremendous, you no, know, four years here, um, a, a lifetime, honestly. Like, I had, have, have had a great, no great times, great experiences that, you know, prepared me uh, for the next move, which, you know, just, you know, securing a job um, after, after graduation. Um, so, um, no, after I complete my degree next May, I'll be starting at Bloomberg LP um, this, this upcoming July in their sales analytics department. Um, and that was, you know, that was, that was tremendous for me because, you know, especially now the current, the current environment, you know, I'm very thankful, you know, for for the opportunity. To be honest, because I know, you know the things that people are going through right now. Like a lot of people are just getting for low, just getting, you know, either unemployed or just can't find jobs. So I, I am extremely thankful for that, um, and I'm looking forward to you know the next move, which is you know go down to New York City and and start my career. Excellent. Now you graduate officially when? Is it December? No, so I graduate in May. Um, okay. So yeah, so this is my fall semester, and then I have spring semester, and basically I'm over. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, congratulations on that. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, an aspect of the show: uh, race, relationships, and resources. Uh, let, let's talk about race. You mentioned culture shock uh, when you went to Miami Central. Miami Central is very diverse. Uh, what, what do you think the breakdown is? You know, you're an economics guy. Uh, the demographic breakdown between Black and Hispanic over in Miami Central. What is it, about 70-30, 50-50? What's that breakdown? Oh, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely remember this. So, um, Black, you will have 85%. Um, Hispanic, you will have basically 15 Okay, okay. And how were race relations uh, when you were back in high school? Just curious. Um, it was... It was a very surrogated school um, as in, in, in a way that, you know, meaning like you'll have the Blacks just hanging out with the Blacks, interacting with the Blacks. You have the Hispanic hanging out with the Hispanics. Um, 
and, and you even have a difference. You have like sub divisions with within the Hispanic. You have like you no know, people that are coming from from Latin America. You have people from the Caribbean, um, Dominican, Puerto Ricans, um, just hanging out with each other. Um, but it, it's it's it was it was very segregated in the sense that people just didn't you know hang out um, with people that didn't look like them. Um, for me though, like there was, I always, I always, I always say this, you know, even to this day, like I always like, you know, I don't always like being, I don't say I have like a set group of friends, but like I always like, like rotating. Like I have, I could go into different groups and, and kind of fit in. And even, even here in Syracuse, you know, um, I, I see the same, I see the same thing. So like that kind of like prepared me to, to, to Syracuse and in a sense, because I am in the, predominantly white institution now so you go from Miami Central predominantly black you go to Syracuse predominantly white that was definitely a, a, a culture shock to me as well but again it, it wasn't something new to me so it was something that I already knew how to navigate um so I came in here and I gave the same approach um I'll make friends with people that just didn't look like me because I, I always had a thing just you know for just getting to know people their stories, their experiences, people that didn't look like me. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love, I love traveling. Um, that's one of the reasons I went abroad, um, just for that, for that sense. But definitely, definitely Miami Central, little, little segregated. Um, and you can still see it to this day. And what, but one of the things you mentioned, and as we talk about race, uh, your ability as a young person to navigate, regardless of the, the racial surroundings or the racial environment, uh, and I haven't met anybody <laughs> that doesn't like Julio, but it really speaks to my friend, uh, just the socialization and the necessity. And I love the word navigate. You got to know where you are, uh, know what's going on, but also work with people and let them get to know you. But now we're living in some, some perilous times right now where race relations are strained. And historically, clearly, uh, racism is nothing new. Uh, in the United States. And as we talk about mentoring, uh, and your big brother was a white male, correct? No, he's actually Brazilian. Brazil, um, my bad, Brazilian. I yeah, okay. Yeah, that's good. So now, and now you're from, remind our audience again where you're from and how you identify racially, ethnically. So I'm Dominican. Um, I personally identify as a Black Dominican American, um, Dominican American Hispanic. You, man, you got everything, you got like all of the above on the, on the test, brother. <laughs> So say, say that one more time on how you identify that. No wonder you can navigate everywhere. You're like the United Nations, brother. Go ahead. I basically identify like, you know, Black, Dominican, American, um, Hispanic. Um, and I've, I've always I've always said that all the time. I'm never denied uh, my, you know, my roots, never denied, you know, my history. Um, and that's just that's just who I am. I'm saying everywhere, anywhere. Um, that's just me. That's all right, brother. And so from a family standpoint, mom and dad coming from different uh, countries? No, so both my parents um, were born in Dominican Republic. I was born there myself as well. Um, and no, I, I can mention, I grew up in different different communities, you know, Washington Heights, predominantly white, uh, predominantly Dominican, um, um, no community. Um, definitely experienced that there. I also live in the South Bronx for, for a few years. Um, I went, so I actually moved around from Washington Heights to South Bronx, um, where I went to elementary school and, and, 
in middle school in the South Bronx, you, you wouldn't have a lot of Dominicans, but you would have a lot of Puerto Ricans, a lot of Mexicans, and, and a lot of African Americans. So again, like this is this isn't something new to me. This is this is how I grew up. This is what what helped me um, just continue to navigate all all the process of like all the steps of my life um, in the last in the last few years. And so now, racism. Uh, have you experienced racism? And if you have, tell us about a memorable experience and how you dealt with it, because it's important that we understand from the from a generational standpoint that uh, by virtue of where you've been and who you are, uh, and when people see you, some folks may just see, you know, a person of color. Some folks may, then they, some folks see your last name, Burgos, and think, okay, Hispanic, but you are comfortable in any space. Tell us about a time where you were clearly not, un- not comfortable, how you, what you de- had to deal with in terms of racism and how you dealt with it early on. Uh, so I'll give you two, 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 like two different points. Um, direct racisms here in the United States, I have not experienced, but I've definitely experienced microaggressions um, mm-hmm. or just, or just people just, just seeing me and already, you know, automatically thinking that they already know me just because the color of my skin or like you mentioned on uh, my name, like I'll have people whenever I say, yeah, like I go to Syracuse, people will be like, oh, what sport do you play? I'm like, what do you mean what sport do I play? Um, or like, oh, you play football? You got a football scholarship? I'm like, no, like, I got an academic full tuition um, to go to Syracuse. I'll be like, oh, wow. Like they, they'll be surprised. I'm like, oh, like, you didn't expect that from me, huh? You know? So that's, that, that's something that I honestly, like multiple times, I, I definitely experienced that, but I never let that get to me. But racism, um, definitely experienced that directly, but not in the U.S. So I actually, when I went abroad, my, yeah. my freshman year of college, when I was in Madrid, um, I remember going out with, with my friend, my roommate. Um, and some of some of our friends who know who are white. Um, I was no, I'm Dominican, uh, Dominican American, black, no Hispanic. He's from uh, Pakistan. So I remember going out one night, and we we're trying to get into this place. And honestly, for some reason, like they kind of split the group that we were with. So the the people that were white were able to go in, and him and I, like they were, we were taken out of the line, mm-hmm. and we we didn't know why. But it wasn't until I got back to my host mom and she was telling me, oh, yeah, like, they don't really like, they, she used to, like, she pointed to my skin. And I'm like, oh, like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, like, that's why you didn't get in because it's color of skin. Like, you look at him as well. Um, they don't they don't like those kind of people at those places. So I was like, you know, that I felt bad. I, I felt like, felt hurt, you know. Um, it's, it's not something, you know, someone want to experience um, not just in Madrid, but like anywhere around the world, or even here um, in the U.S. So I, I definitely, definitely experienced it before. Um, it's, it's not a good, a great feeling to be honest at all. I mean, through I mean, college student traveling abroad, uh, getting to know different cultures, and you go out with your friends, your peers, your colleagues, and you're not allowed in 2020. Let me just go ahead and put this on record in 2020 based on just simply the color of your skin, you don't come in here. It's sad, Uh, but that's the harsh reality. The reason we have these conversations, Julio, is for people to recognize and understand we got a long way to go. And through the power of mentorship, through the power of navigation, through the power of planning ahead, 
that's Julio Burgos. Uh, and so I'm glad you're able to get yeah, hurt, but you're able to pivot and not uh, be negative about it, but to recognize the challenge. Speaking of challenge, my, my last question for you, my friend, it's your generation that's going to make the change. Uh, historically, uh, racism is real. Uh, and as you talk about your example as a young man in 2020, uh, not so long ago, sadly, there were signs blacks only or colored only whites only uh, in this very country. What do you and your peers talk about in terms of how we make positive change, how we move forward? I'm sure, not, I'm not sure if you talked about it with your friends there, you know, in Madrid, but what's the conversation like amongst your peer group on how we make positive change? Um, that's actually uh, a great question, you know, because it's, it's, it's something that often comes up and the reason being is because because of the recent environment that we're currently living in. Um, and one of the things that we, we know we mention a lot is that this doesn't get done by one person. This does not get done by a single group. This doesn't just get done by a single company. Um, and the reason why I mention that is because it's gonna require that everyone play, play their role. And when I say everyone, it has to be the public sector, it has to be the private sector, it has to be community-based organizations, it has to be higher, higher education institutions. It just has to be everyone who played a role in the United States needs to be involved in addressing um, racism and some of the challenges that people of color are currently facing um, in the 21st century. Um, and and if, if we don't have that, you know, my we always say like, hey, like, you know, we want to graduate, you know, we live in Syracuse already, we already left our marks here, but whatever comes next, we need to realize that we need to get involved, meaning you need to mentor, you need to join a community advisory board, um, you need to join, you know, something that is going to be able to, you know, make some make some form of change or at least bring awareness to some of the problems that people of color are currently facing uh, because again it's just not going to be a single person but it's going to be it's, it's going to require a collaboration between different stakeholders um, and different community members well stated julio again on behalf of the big brothers big sisters family uh, we are so pleased to have you as one of our alumni little brothers I'm putting you on a, when it's safe to do so, I'm putting you on a stage to tell your story uh, at some point in the future, or we'll just capture some video and have you just speak to uh, those who support us. But all I can say uh, from the bottom of my heart is I'm so proud of you, young brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're making us uh, not only proud of you, but it's, you're making an investment uh, in the future uh, as well. So be safe in New York. Uh, all the best as you complete your, your degree and also start work with, uh, with Bloomberg uh, there in New York. Uh, and so thank you for joining me today on the Game of Life, where everybody makes the team, but how you play is up to you. All the takeaways from Julio, plan ahead, navigate, even when it's uncomfortable, but most importantly, don't ever give up. Julio, all the best, young brother. Thank you, Dawson. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care. You too. All right, folks, that was, I mean, that's something else. A young man is making it happen. And speaking of a young man is making it happen, we're going to segue seamlessly into my, for, for my next guest. Uh, he's a powerful brother. Let's bring him in right now. Uh, and we'll do an introduction once he gets here. So stand by for our next guest on the game of life. And there he is, my man. Charmel, how you doing? 
Gail, I'm doing well, man. How are you? Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. You always, you, you got the University of Miami uh, green polo, I think, right? Always, always, always. No doubt. <laughs> so it's no all about doubt. you. No doubt. Uh, and so for the benefit of our audience, uh, we have with us now on the Game of Life uh, mentoring podcast where everybody makes a team, but how you play is up to you. But this community conversation on race, relationships, and resources. We have with us Charmel Maynard. He's Associate Vice President, Chief Investment Officer, and University Treasurer for the University of Miami. Brother, you got like three jobs. <laughs> I, I got one or two. You know? <laughs> so welcome to the Game of Life, Charmel. And when we uh, had lunch recently, I mean, it was just uh, the, the term, the word infectious uh, comes to mind because your energy, your passion. Uh, I said, you know what? I want to just really get to know this brother even even more. And hopefully we'll do some big things uh, in the future together. But I wanted to just spend some time with you today and hopefully allow people to understand the power of mentoring. So first and foremost, welcome to the game of life. Certainly. I appreciate you for having me, Gail. Just want to reiterate, you know, how much I enjoyed that lunch and getting to know you so far. And, and thank you for everything you've been doing, as well as the Big Brothers, Big Sisters um, organization and everything they do. No, it's an absolute pleasure. So let's start with, let's talk about your personal journey, where you grew up, uh, and some of the things you were taught, you know, about, you know, race. Uh, so just talk to us about just who you are personally, Charmel. Yeah, certainly. You know, so I, I was born in Trinidad, in the Caribbean. So, you know, the concept of race um, is different to, to where I spent, you know, I've spent over half my life in the United States. It, it, it was different being brought up in the Caribbean. Right. I think, you know, I, I was lucky to grow up in Trinidad where um, it was a very diverse island. Right. You know, it's almost equally separate in terms of parts of, you know, Indian, um, East Indian heritage, um, you know, black, um, European, um, as well as Asian. So, you know, myself being mixed, my, my, my mom is half Indian, half Chinese. My dad is black. Uh, I was brought up, you know, you know, to know and accept everyone, right? And, and I think the island was what, what was similar. Now, that's not to say that there was not tensions between certain people, that there weren't stereotypes, but, you know, I went to school with people who, who were all colors and race and you played with everyone. And, and uh, so, so when, I, when I moved to the United States permanently to go to boarding school, uh, my, my mindset was different. You know, grow, you know, showing up, I'd spent a lot of time, you know, my dad's side of the family lived in, in Georgia. So I was back and forth. So I was playing with my American cousins and, and, and family. Um, but so so I would see all the hardships that were going on. But it was so different for me in terms of my mindset is I didn't think about myself as a black man. Right. Until I moved to the United States. And, and, and you know, quite frankly, I was considered mixed in Trinidad. Right. Despite my skin color being darker. It wasn't until I moved to the United States where I started identifying really as, as, as a black man um, because that's how I was treated. So, um, you know, it, it, it's definitely one of the things that, that I carry with me and that, you know, I was very fortunate to grow up where, you know, my doctor was black, our lawyer was black. So, um, you know, my, my mindset of what I could be wasn't limited by, by, by something I saw in my surroundings. Absolutely. And that diversity, that diversity provided so many opportunities you know, as well for you to learn the various cultures and appreciate other diversity. And then we're going to talk about it a little later on, but then you get to America uh, and it's like, so I mean, I'll use some a little movie illustration. So you grew up with like this Wakanda where it's like, it's all good. 
Uh, it's all the same. Then you're right. coming to America. It's like, boom, you are right. now a black man. They'll come over here with all of that. So that's right. a very interesting dynamic and culture shock. Yeah, it, it is. But I think because I, I, you know, I moved officially when I was 15. Okay. I think my mindset was, was that of whatever you're going to say or do to me will not affect me. I know what my capabilities are. I know what my, what my North star, you know, is and what's directing me. So you can say and do what you would like to me, but that's not going to discourage me from being great. Uh, You know, whereas I think if I moved maybe when I was younger, three or four, I don't know what would have turned out. Um, So, you know, and and I think, and I've never asked this question to whether it's, you know, teacher or professor or whatever, is did I exude that when you were discussing, you know, or talking to me um, that, that, that I did not, you know, think of myself, you know, as as race first, it was, you know, I'm going to be the best that I can be no matter what. And speaking of your capabilities and being the best you can be, you're in the financial industry, investments, uh, treasurer, associate vice president, chief investment officer. Tell us how you got into the financial industry and your journey. Yeah, you know, I, I, I always knew as far back as I can think that I wanted to be a businessman. Right. I didn't know what that was. I looked on TV. It looked cool. You get to wear a suit and a tie every day. And, you know, I found I was I was home, you know, the last time I was home was Christmas of 2019. And I found a, a book that I, you know, written in, I guess, a diary. And it was all about, you know, I'm going to have this house. I'm going to make this much money. You know, I was four or five. Right. I didn't know what, what that meant. Um, so, you know, going through through high school and then ultimately college, Despite me going to Amherst College, which is a liberal arts school, and me being a political science major, in the back of my mind, I always knew I wanted to do business, right? So I supplemented my education with, you know, accounting and corporate finance and stuff like that. And it wasn't until um, my sophomore summer when I was so fortunate to intern at, at, you know, one of the premier investment firms, Aerial Capital Management, which is led by John Rogers, as well as Melody Hobson, um, that I started sort of honing in on what exactly I wanted to do within finance. I asked a lot of questions, right? You know, I, I was afforded this opportunity, so I wasn't going to let it go by without me finding as much information out as I could. So I asked around, I asked around, and finally, you know, somebody said, hey, you should try investment banking. You know, you're an athlete, you, 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 you know, extremely intelligent, you should try investment banking. Again, no idea what investment banking was. Um, fortunate enough where one of the portfolio managers gave me two books. He said, read these two books. If you think you can deal with what's going on in these books, you should try banking. So the first book was Liar's Poker um, by Michael Lewis, um, who has many movies out now, and then uh, Monkey Business. And it was just sort of the worst case scenarios of, you know, that you hear in banking, you know, all nighters working 90 plus hours a week, you know, you did a document, it's been, you know, circulated and, and changed 15 times. And then when you get it back, it's what you, what you actually drafted and fun to me, right? So I said, I think I could do this. And then, so I, I ended up at JP Morgan, you know, thanks to uh, a great program called Sponsors for Educational Opportunity, which, which helps um, minorities um, get onto Wall Street, essentially. It's, it's been around for 20 plus years. Um, and when I got to JP Morgan, I started right at the financial crisis. So 2007, you know, everything hit the fan, everything stopped. And, you know, in hindsight, Gail, it was one of the, the most rewarding experiences for me because, you know, 
you don't see crises like that very often, right? Um, and so I got to learn um, one from senior leadership because when I started at JP Morgan, my group was approximately 300 people. By May 08, it was approximately 75 people. Um, so I, I got a chance to work directly with senior leaders, which is really, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about mentorship and, 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 the, and the greatness of mentorship was I got to directly learn from their experience, right? People who've been on Wall Street for 20 years and what mattered to them. What were they looking at? What were they looking for? You know, what, what was the last term that Jamie Dimon would walk away from a deal for? Um, which you don't really get a chance to know in, in the height when everything is, you know, oh yeah, sure, take that, take this. Um, so I got a chance to, to really create strong bonds with senior leadership. You know, fast forward, one of my mentors from JP Morgan moved to the University of Miami um, in, the, in the role as treasurer, uh, my current role. Um, and he called me and said, hey, come be my, my assistant treasurer. You know, I'm vice president, going to be an executive director at JP Morgan in New York. I think I'm, you know, high, flying high. <laughs> Finally clicked with me sort of just how amazing this opportunity was. And I'd say 60% of the reason I took the job was to follow this person who I had worked extensively with at JP Morgan. Um, never thought about working in higher ed, never thought about working um, you know, in Miami, um, but I trusted this person, right? I knew that he had my back and moved down here. Subsequently, a year later, he resigned uh, for, for, for family reasons and true to his nature and true to my decision-making, he had built me up so much to the board, to the president, to the CFO, to the COO that, you know, at 32 years old and being a black male um, that did not look anything like the rest of the industry, they saw in me the potential to, 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 to do something great. So they, they, they bestowed on me the, the role of treasurer um, about a year into me taking that role. Um, and earlier this year, um, I, uh, I was also appointed the, the chief investment officer as well. So I'm, I'm one of, um, I believe, four black CIOs across endowments um, with, within the country. So you just touched on it, and let's state the obvious, who you are, and it really speaks to the power of mentoring. You, one of your mentors uh, invited you, so gave you an opportunity, not only encouraged you, not only work with you, but looked out for you. And yeah. this happens all the time in business, uh, but unfortunately, maybe not as much. And you touched on it. And let me just ask the direct question. A black man with tremendous authority at a post-secondary institution, a reputable institution, University of Miami. How many, so you say there's like four CIOs that four. look like you and me across the country? That's correct. And at the time of my promotion, there were three. Uh, recently, Columbia University uh, just promoted or just uh, hired Kim Liu, who was at the Carnegie Foundation for, for, for a while now. But yeah, it, currently there are four um, across the entire country. And it's got to be lonely. Uh, and <laughs> how is that? What's the collegial spirit like? Not just in the local setting, but just across the nation as you attend meetings and conferences. And of course, things are different now in the midst of COVID. Uh, but yeah. is, it, is it welcoming? Yeah, you know, I'd say higher education is different from corporate America. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll bifurcate the two and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to higher education first. One of the things I really love about being in higher education is it's definitely... Um, communal, right? We all have a shared goal, which is the education of, uh, of kids, right? Or, or, or young men and women. So when I became CIO, 
I shot emails out to all the top CIOs, Scott Malpass, Mark Schmid, Dave Swenson, and they all responded, got on the phone with me, said, hey, you know, this is what I would do. This is what I would look out for, which, which, was, which is unheard of. If, if I became the C, C, you know, CEO of JP Morgan and I you know, emailed Goldman CEO and Morgan Stanley CEO, I'm not sure how many trade secrets they would share across, across that. Um, you know, I'm I, I I, I'm now used to, Gail, being the only black male in the room, um, specifically in a room full of, of usually older white men, right? And that's, um, I've been conditioned to that, maybe conditioned is the wrong word, going to boarding school, going to Amherst, being at J.P. Morgan. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it gets lonely. I, I, I know I stand out. <laughs> you know, I think I stand out. Uh, it doesn't help that I look like I'm, you know, around 26 or 25, maybe. So it's, you know, young and black now. But, um, you know, it, it is. But, but I, at least from my experience, Gail, and, and I don't think this is the norm, I've had a really good experience. I think my, my experience at J.P. Morgan was phenomenal. Um, you know, I even had, you know, old colleagues call me up, you know, after the George Floyd shooting, just, you know, really, really in pain saying, I'm so sorry I never asked you how you felt about being the only black person, in, you know, at JP Morgan, you know, in a room or in a pitch or whatever. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to my, to my experience at the U, uh, it's also been phenomenal, right? I'm very, very lucky to work at an institution that has the culture of belonging as one of the platforms of success, right? It's directly related to diversity. Um, so, so I think I've been fortunate in, 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 in that manner. And what's, what I appreciate about what you just said is, when we think about the challenges with racism, uh, and, I'm, and you've experienced it, I've experienced it, but what you just said is so important that I want our audience to take away, that we want to also highlight what's working. Uh, this, I mean, this whole conversation, the community conversation that's ongoing, the power of mentoring, the power of allyship, the power mm -hmm. of a sense of belonging, we need to celebrate and embrace that as we move forward. Uh, and so thank you for mentioning what's working uh, and also folks who care, who then reached out to you post George Floyd saying, I'm sorry, I never asked you because now it's front and center. Exactly. Uh, no, we can't run and hide from this, the reality of race. Uh, and although it's not mentioned in history books as it should, breaking down black Wall Street, I mean, obviously you're a black man in the financial industry. I mean, there's things that are not talked about that are mm -hmm. uncomfortable. But uh, Charmel, one of the things I say to folks all the time, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, without these recent events, I always had a podcast, but now to shift to race relationships and resources because it, it intersects everything. Mm -hmm. And so having said that, uh, your experience uh, with racism and mm -hmm. how you've had to deal with it, no matter where it, no matter where it took place, talk to us about it. Yeah, you know, Gail, like I said before, you know, I think I'm tremendously lucky. I, I cannot think, and maybe maybe I've, you know, blocked it out of my mind, but I can't think of many, if any, overt racist moments in my life, right? Where saying you're not getting in because you're black, or I'm not doing this because you're black. What I have seen a lot more often is is the evidence of systemic racism. Yes. It's that unconscious bias. And you know, I tell a story now and then. Um you know, I love my, my boarding school. I think it was pivotal to where I am today. But just an example of systemic racism, you know, again, I'm a kid from Trinidad. Um, 
you know, both my parents, you know, my dad's a computer programmer, my mom's a psychologist, but they went to school in Canada, they went to school in, in the UK, you know, the admissions game in the United States is a lot different, right? And growing up in Trinidad, you say, oh, I just want to go to Harvard, right? So, you know, you think you apply to one school and that's it, you know, lo and behold, when I get to the United States, these kids are applying to 15 schools, they got safeties, they have reaches, they have, you know, and so I remember sitting with my college counselor and she was saying, well, you need more safeties on your list, right? I don't want you to be disappointed. Yeah, I don't know, right? I'm like, all right, cool, let me add a couple more, right? Only because I had a family member who worked at a university um, who said, are you kidding me? You're exactly what universities want. You have a high GPA, you're a three sport athlete, right? You give back to your community, they don't want somebody who just got 1600 on the SATs, has a 4.0, but is not active in their community, is not playing sports and stuff like that. And so I revised my list and, you know, included top institutions, Ivy League, so on and so forth. Gail, yeah, I got into to 10 out of my 11 schools, right? I named the one that I didn't get into because I don't want them to get mad at me, but um, I got to work with them a little bit. But, you know, th th that was that, you know, that could have completely changed my life. Just from this one person, it's just me and her telling a child, this is what you need to do. And I remember, you know, later that year, you know, going to, to cause at the university, you know, my, sorry, my boarding school used to, we used to um, stick our acceptance letters on our, on our dorms, on our dorm room doors. So, you know, oh, you know me and my roommate, we had a pretty nice door. Um, and I remember telling my math teacher, like, hey, I got into to, to, to these schools, including Amherst, and the shock and awe in his face, you know, it, it literally, Gail, to this day, I was 17 years old, sits with me today. I know his name. If I see him, I'm, I'm going to talk to him again, again about this. But that's how impactful systemic racism is. And that's what sits with me the most. It's not some guy, you know, girls shooting out a racial slur or, or whatever it is. It's that my entire life could have been different because one person wasn't equipped to deal with these situations, right? And had, had who knows how many other um, black students were affected by this person or by, by, by similar, um, similar um, experiences. It, as we think about that, just, the, just having the connections, the expertise, the exposure, but also uh, in the person you were talking about that was shocked uh, now, your takeaway, I want to make sure I'm clear, your takeaway with that, he was shocked you got into these schools because you were just simply a black man that was accepted? Is that I, 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 that's how I That's how I took it, that he was like, what do you do? What do you mean you got into these schools? I didn't expect for you to get on. You mm -hmm. know? So that, at least, again, that, that's, that was my, my, um, my takeaway from it. Whether or not that's what he meant, I, I don't know. But that, you know, my perception was my reality at that point. Absolutely. And as we think about the subtle bigotry of diminished expectations, why not you? Why not that Black man? Why not that Black woman? Mm -hmm. uh, and so going back to that sense of belonging, uh, the community of belonging that we all need to embrace and the power of mentoring. I mean, again, that advice you receive and so many of our littles here at Big Brothers, Big Sisters, it's that one person, the Certainly. one person who told them, no, wait, what do you mean you can't do that? Mm -hmm. uh, we had a little sister that said, I, I want to go to school. And she said, I can only go locally. She said, who told you that? That's all I know. Young ladies at Princeton right now. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, the power of one person mentoring. 
Speaking of Definitely. which, in corporate America, you've been the, the only black man in, in a lot of rooms, only black person in a lot of rooms. How important is mentorship in corporate America? You know, Gail, I, I think it, it's one of the most important, if not the most important um, thing you, you, you can do or, or attribute in, in being successful in corporate America. I mean, I think, you know, I think as much as we may dislike or may not want to admit it, corporate America is a very political world, right? I mean, and it can be extremely overwhelming slash scary to have to navigate the culture of these firms Right, um, and, and you may not understand all of these quote unquote hidden rules, right? That will help maximize your career. So for example, this person who I told you who was directly responsible for bringing me to the University of Miami. I remember he told me something as simple as do not print that deck double-sided because the managing director you're gonna give it to, right? Hates double-sided hates double-sided presentations. First-year analyst, 22 years old, no idea, right? But it's so powerful because I'll tell you, somebody didn't mention something else to another managing director who I never worked with more than once that year. And that was the reason why I got docked on my, on my review because they said this person stapled this, this presentation. And it's that, that small nuance can separate you from being top ranked in your class to being middle ranked to being low ranked, right? And I think once you get down here in the low ranking, it's so hard to dig yourself out. Um, and so again, you know, corporate finance is not rocket science. It's not recreating the wheel. Somebody's probably dealt with the issue that is in front of you right now. Having that mentor to say, I would think about it like this. Oh, I wouldn't go that, down this route with this person because of X, Y, or Z is directly responsible for, for where I am right now. And it goes all the way back to, um, to going to, to boarding school, right? It's applying to colleges. It was then mentors who helped me get my internship at Ariel, which then led to JP Morgan. Mentors at JP Morgan allowed me to be successful and be promoted from analyst to associate to vice president. Mentor brought me to the University of Miami. And then a mentor is the one who saw the potential in me to then promote me to where I am today and continues to advise me, uh, several mentors, right? To advise me on how to be successful in my role that I'm in today. So, um, you know, for me and for, for, for the kids that I talk to, um, who I encourage to reach out to me is I, I preach, I will sing this from, from, from the highest mountain, Gail. You know, and look, I tell them, do not be discouraged. Not every person you meet is gonna be your mentor. It needs to be organic, right? It needs to be, you guys share a certain thing in common, right? Like my mentor from, from JP Morgan was, you know, a white guy from Gross Point, right? I mean, that's not exactly who I would have been like, oh, this is going to be my mentor. My mentor looked like you, Gail, in my mind. You know? <laughs> and, but, you know, we had a shared, you know, work ethic, right? We both, you know, worked hard. We cared about detail. We cared about the results. We both loved basketball, which was probably the personal side that made us, you know, click together, but it was a, it was a mentorship that was forged in the, you know, in the fires of banking at 3 a.m. getting stuff out. So, you know, I tell people, don't be discouraged. Like you will find your mentor, but just keep your aperture open because it may be in front of you or may not be something that someone or somebody you're looking for that's going to end up being that, uh, being that mentor that helps you in your career. 
What I love about that, and I'll just go back to my high school years. It was my senior year in high school, Charmel, uh, and Mr. James Norris, white man, said, please fill out this application. It was a scholarship application, Coca-Cola, we mean business scholarship application. Mm -hmm. I said, no, I need to work. I need to take care of my mom, single parent home, inner city Toledo, Ohio. And again, this man said, just take it home and please fill it out, bring it back to me. That turned into a full ride scholarship courtesy of Uh, Mm Coca-Cola. And so now I helped my mom, but it wasn't the way I thought. Uh, And so for all the young people out there uh, in corporate America, in school, uh, that are saying, well, I don't know anybody. Don't ever refuse when somebody reaches out to help you, to mentor you, you never know where that, and that person may not look like you, back to the mm-hmm. power of allyship. And we thank all the allies across uh, this country, in and out of corporate America. Because let me tell you something, Charmel, your whole journey, your leadership journey is paved through mentorship. Mm-hmm which is why I'm going to keep you connected with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and we're, we're being recorded, too. So I want you just go ahead and just smile and say yes, and we'll be all right. Yes. <laughs> but no, it's, it's a powerful story. And when I met you, I just I picked up on that. Uh, and it is so important in terms of mentorship. This show, the Game of Life Mentoring Podcast, Community Conversation. Uh, here we are with Charmel Maynard from University of Miami, a powerful young brother that's doing some big things here in Miami. My final question to you, and take as much time as you need, as we think about promoting humanity, mm-hmm. that's what this is all about. Certainly. Promoting humanity and being solution focused. Uh, and as I share with my first guest, alumni little brother Julio, young man that had some tremendous challenges, but he navigated, he planned, uh, he took advantage of the community investment in him, and now he's about to graduate with a degree in economics. Another young brother going into the financial industry. So it's not just about capability or aptitude. It's about being connected. So here's my question to you, Charmel. As we think about promoting humanity, as we think about moving forward, forward thinking, uh, what are some specific things we can do in your mind uh, to just promote positive race relations and a Mm -hmm. true sense of community? Yeah, no, it's a good question, Gail. And I think it's multifaceted, right? I mean, I don't think it can be distilled into, in, into one or two things. I think, uh, you know, all we can do is, is, is do our best and do our part to, to, to help with the fight, right, for, 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 social, uh, for social justice. So for me, for example, given the industry that I'm in, which is finance, you know, I'm focused primarily on representation, right? So the university, I manage approximately three and a half billion dollars of assets. Um, we need to make sure that that our portfolios reflect the community we, we serve, our students, our community. Uh, because one thing that's for certain, you know, as the Knight Foundation has study has shown, only 1.3% of the $69 trillion asset management industry is minority-owned firms. Right. So for so for us um, and for me, I'm really focused on how do we make sure that minority-owned firms are getting the access um, to capital, right? And, and 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 ultimately to make their situation better, right? And their community better because you know these firms are then investing in businesses and have influences on businesses who then have influences on hiring, who have influences on the community they're serving. And, you know, goes all the way down to the pipeline, right? So asking questions of not only what does your leadership look like, including the board, including, you know, C-suite, but what does the senior management, you know, 
line look like, right? And trying to get more black CEOs like yourself. So, you know, that's, those are the solutions that, that, that I am, you know, sort of focusing on. But like I said, I don't think, you know, that's a drop in the pond of what, what else has to be done in order to get where, where we need to be. Well, I tell you what, and it's a great way to close an investment of your time through mentoring, the power of mentoring. Uh, Charmel is a proof positive, as, is, as was my first guest, uh, Julio, alumni little brother Julio, investing your time in mentoring. If you're in Miami or anywhere across this country, uh, get involved in mentoring. Mentor somebody. Share your experiences. It may be that one staple on that deck that costs you uh, that opportunity. Think yep. about that. Double-sided, just intel, connectivity, but also not only investment of your time. It's only appropriate that we talk. We, now you're talking billion with the B and trillion with the T. Uh, and so that's big money. Uh, and so, but with that is investing in diversity and making sure that uh, black men and women and all people of color have a seat at the table. Yeah, so we can, as you've talked about systemic uh, racism, but if we have structures set up that are not inviting or welcoming, then it's hard. You know, you're the only one and your three colleagues around the country. And so now we have four. You know, again, we celebrate all four of you, but there's room at the table. Would you agree? I would certainly agree. And I think to your point, Gail, I think you mentioned it. I think it is, it is prudent and important that we celebrate the wins, but it's also even more prudent to understand how much further we have to go. And, and, and keeping that, that strategy and that future in mind is going to be critical. Well, Charmel, now we will be talking as you well know. Now, we definitely will. We are so, so impressed with who you are what you stand for and what you're doing. Uh, we're so pleased uh, to have you in that position of authority at the University of Miami. And for all those listening in today, uh, please get involved. Mentoring is a powerful thing. You mentioned it a few times, people saw your potential. Our mission at Big Brothers Big Sisters is to ignite, to create and support those one-to-one -one mentoring relationships that ignite the power and promise of our youth. You're a powerful brother with tremendous promise. I'm just glad to call you one of my friends, brother. Appreciate it. Right back at you, Gail. Thank you for, right. thank you for, setting, for setting a great, great, um, uh, a great example for everyone. It's my pleasure. It is absolutely my pleasure. So thank you for joining us today here on the Game of Life Mentoring Podcast, where everybody makes the team, but how you play is up to you. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Make sure that everyone has a seat at the table, but most importantly, make sure we promote humanity in all that we do. That's a wrap for today, Charmel. Take care, my friend. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye now. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. That's a wrap. We'll see you next month.